talkradioinfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. Getting ready for a big weekend of fights this weekend. It's Bellator 238 as well as UFC uh, Raleigh going down. We're going to dive into both of those cards, give uh, some uh, previews and predictions uh, on those two events, as well as a uh, a look back at the big UFC 246 pay-per-view that went down this past weekend uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, a little bit later, we're gonna we're gonna look at that as well. And then before we get into all that, we're going to talk to uh, Jason and Emily King, who are both competing on that Bellator 238 card. Uh, of course, Jason and Emily, both from this area, uh, our neck of the woods with Valor. They've had uh, the majority of their pro fights uh, with, and so uh, very familiar with them, and excited to see a husband and wife duo uh, throw down this weekend at Bellator 238. Uh, Justin, how's it going, my man? You've, uh, you've you've made your way across the mountain from North Carolina into Tennessee for this week. Yeah, man, it's uh, just as cold here as it was down there. So bundled bundled up for the next couple of days. Happy to have some fights, you know, back to back weeks of fights here. Yeah, we had a little bit of a dry spell there for uh, for for December late there in the month, and now that we're uh, cracking here into January, we've got lots of stuff to cover, which is always nice. Uh, of course, uh, before we get to our, our interview segment, of course, uh, we're about to get cracking into the Valor 69 promotion duties. Of course, next week we're going to speak to both halves of the main event for Valor 69, and that goes down Saturday, not Friday for this one. It's Saturday, February the 8th from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you can be there live, uh, that is definitely the way I would recommend to take it in. But if you can't be there live... Uh, stay tuned, and we'll have a pay-per-view link um, that we'll be spreading around for the uh, for uh, you for the complete uh, broadcast with the commentary and um, all that good stuff. So uh, stay tuned there. Of course, Valor 69 headlined by a 155-pound title fight between ruthless David Robbins and the Bosnian barn cat Demir Fratbegovic. Uh, that'll be five rounds for the Valor 155-pound professional championship. Really excited for that. Probably uh, one of the, you know that's a fight that I've really um, you know I've, I've thought about for years, and uh, to be able to finally make it happen, that is uh, certainly uh, gets the fan in me excited. A couple other uh, uh, notes for that card: uh, some things that have, have happened this week and some changes. Uh, we confirmed uh, we'll see the return of Christina Ricker. Uh, Christina Adcock now, if you will, uh, and she'll be returning to the Valor Cage to take on Bridget Chase. Now, Bridget Chase is the sister of Hope Chase, who we saw at the Smoky Stadium, uh, you know, back in the summer with a huge knockout. And since she's gone on to have success in Invicta. So her sister, Bridget, looking to, uh, you know, got some big shoes to fill there. Uh, but she's going to be looking to come in here and uh, and take it to Christina uh, Adcock, who, uh, you know, always a fan favorite here in Knoxville, always puts on a show. Uh, they expect those girls to really throw down and brawl. Uh, another change on that card, originally uh, supposed to be a battle of the Wolves, 
Jason Wolf versus Chris Wolf. Chris Wolf comes down with an injury uh, this week, and uh, in uh, in his stead, it will be Arthur Cisse. DJ Bowden himself steps in, teammate of Chris Wolf's at uh, KMAA. So uh, it'll be now Arthur Cisse taking on Jason Wolf, um, and that should be a fun one. That should be uh, you know two guys that are that are solid grapplers. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if the grappling kind of cancels itself out and we get a stand-up war uh, or which guy imposes his will. Uh, running down the amateur card real quick, uh, a few uh, a few things uh, have, have changed. Uh, well, we've got uh, Alex Lewandowski uh, taking on uh, Benjamin Phoenix, uh, who is making his debut. Alex Lewandowski, this will be his first fight out of the KMAA camp since he had made that switch from Newport Combat Club over to KMAA. We'll see Garrett Sharp making his Muay Thai debut after winning the main event um, of uh, the Valor card before the last over uh, – it was the last show of the year, actually, coming off a big win over Brandon McGee. Now he's going to switch to Muay Thai for this one to take on Derek Smith. We've got Rebecca Alcorn coming back, and she's going to be making her MMA debut. She did some slap grappling a couple shows back, but now she's going to be doing – doing the proper MMA against uh, another uh, crowd favorite and Mary Rosenbeck, you know, uh, who always puts on a great show. Yeah, I'm expecting a, a good fight out of those ladies. Uh, also, we've got Muay Thai action with LJ Floyd from uh, Lee Kickboxing Academy, a teammate of uh, Zach Fox and uh, the aforementioned Derek Smith. He'll be taking on Kai Bishop uh, from Ascension. We saw him a couple shows back. Uh, Ray Hewlett will may uh, be making his return. He's been out for nearly a year now, uh, training, getting better. Be taking on the uh, debuting Nick Ferguson, who we've seen in kickboxing action. He'll be doing MMA this time. And rounding out the amateur card, we've got Derek Overstreet taking on Thomas Seabolt. That will be in K1 action. Uh, Derek Overstreet, a very heavily hyped prospect from Kentucky, uh, taking on Seabolt, who uh, comes uh, to us from Kikers uh, Martial Arts down there in Dalton. And you know they always uh, produce very solid talent. Uh, Bronson Bazorgi, who we saw in a successful debut uh, at the last show from KMAA uh, with a win over Quinn Hunter, he'll be making a quick turnaround. Uh, very exciting action uh, action fighter. He'll be taking on the debut in Christian Lee from uh, Newport. And then finally, I just added heavyweights today. We haven't even announced this fight. But uh, it'll be two debuting heavyweight fighters. Uh, Kevin Menard uh, or, uh, will be taking on Hunter Kelly. Uh, both those guys, uh, independent bangers. So we'll see. Uh, those guys will probably start us off with uh, – with some action, with some fun uh, slobber knocker, uh, back and forth fisticuffs. That again is in about two and a half weeks, February 8th, BFC 69. Next week, like I said, we're going to talk to both members of that main event. I'm excited for this card. And then we'll jump into March, man. Two, two, uh, two events in March, March the 6th. And March the 28th, March the 6th, will be an amateur showcase at the Joe. March 28th, we are going back to Saudi. And we can announce uh, – I'll go ahead and drop it here, even though we've not uh, actually um, announced it on social media and the like. But, you know, it's no secret the uh, uh, the tensions, if you will, between uh, uh, Greg Hopkins and C4 Charlie Alexander. Charlie called Greg out after Greg's last fight uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we are working through it last show. We were kind of talking uh, through the terms, and I'm uh, happy to say we, we came to terms. So – uh, Charlie Alexander, Greg Hopkins will go down. That'll be your main event at Valor 71, I guess it would be, from Saudi Daisy, Mar uh, Saudi Daisy sorry, uh, March the 28th. 
Uh, of course, big sexy Billy Swanson on that card. There's going to be a lot of really good fights on on that one. So we'll uh, dive into that one as we get a bit closer. And with that, let's uh, dive into our interview. Uh, let's get uh, both members of the King household on the line. We're going to talk to Jason King, the Asian Persuasion, as well as the Valkyrie, his wife, Emily King, as they get ready for their bouts at Bellator 238 out in Los Angeles this weekend. Okay, on the line, I'm pleased to have join us husband and wife professional fighter duo, the Asian Persuasion, Jason King, along with his wife, Valkyrie, Emily King. They get ready to go to war this Saturday night at Bellator 238 out in Los Angeles. King family, how are we this evening? Uh, we're doing really good. How about you guys? Man, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're excited to talk to you guys. We're excited to watch you guys throw down this weekend. Of course, uh, you know, uh, Bellator 238 is going down in Los Angeles, California this weekend. You can catch it on zone, and you can catch both, uh, both Kings on the main card, actually. That was something that was kind of a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, I think that uh, most expected that Emily's fight would be on the main card, but then it was a kind of a bonus to find out that both of you guys are going to be on the main card. Uh, so congratulations there. Emily, of course, would be taking on uh, Ava Knight, who is a, uh, a novice, I guess you would say, in the MMA ranks, but a, a world champion uh, professional boxer. And that's something we've been seeing a lot a lot more of, especially in Bellator, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of a showcased in both of you guys' fights here, uh, you know, decorated champions from other combat sports making that move over to MMA to try their luck. And so uh, with uh, Emily's case here against Ava Knight, of course, uh, former boxing champion, Emily coached by Eric Turner and Taylor Turner at KMAA. So Taylor uh, has already kind of ran into a similar uh, situation, very similar similar situation uh, versus Heather Hardy, who was also a world champion boxer, but uh, Taylor was able to show her, you know, there's a lot more uh, levels to MMA that you have to prepare for than, than just uh, professional boxing. Emily, has there been, uh, has there been uh, some pretty good insight and uh, advice coming uh, from Taylor Turner in this one? I know she's out there uh, to corner you, obviously, but any, any kind of uh, in input she's given you from kind of going through this really the same exact type situation? Uh, well, Taylor is for one who is shy to um, give advice or to talk about anything. So, um, yes, she's been an incredible asset um, throughout this fight camp as well as all of my other fight camps. Um, but this one specifically because it is so similar to her Heather Hardy fight. Um, so I definitely have relied on her input and her feedback as well as Coach Eric's and just um, knowing that um, – Yes, she is a good boxer, and I will respect her skill set just as I respect all my opponents, but also trusting in my ability and my knowledge that I have in the MMA world because I am more experienced there. So Absolutely. It should be a fun. So, you know, Emily, you're you're on a three-fight win streak right now. You know, uh, you, you started your career off in Invicta, uh, taking on some really, really tough uh tough matches early in your career uh since you turned it around you got three straight wins got another call back up to the big show uh you know talk a little bit about this last year 2019 was a really good one for you uh you know definitely the most uh momentum uh, i guess we could say that you've had uh coming into this fight yeah and i attribute a lot of that to jason just having someone um 
at home in your corner, like literally he's at the gym with me every single day, pushing me to be better. So um, my life outside of the cage, if you will, is a lot more stable and it's a lot less chaotic. And um, just having someone who is on the same mission as you and is on the same path is just incredible. So I attribute a lot of that success to just um, having this relationship that is unique to Jason and I has been um, a great blessing. Now, Jason, of course, is taking on uh, Raymond Daniels, very decorated striker himself. Uh, you know, he's the Bellator kickboxing champion, but only one and one in MMA. It's another situation where, uh, you know, you've got a very decorated combat sports uh, competitor that's been uh, supremely successful in kickboxing, but in MMA, uh, we have yet to see, uh, you know, exactly what, really what his, uh, I guess what you would say his ceiling is just yet. Jason, of course, coming in with uh, considerably more uh, experience in MMA. Uh, Jason, uh, what, you know, what can, what can we expect out of this one? You know, obviously, uh, one has to imagine that Mr. Daniels is, is training all facets of MMA, but at the same time, uh, you know, one would also have to imagine that if he had his way, this is going to be a kickboxing match with small gloves. Uh, you know, what, what nuances do you see in this fight here? Uh, obviously, you know, when I, one has to imagine that, you know, while uh, you're, you're known in this area as being a flashy striker with great kicks and great striking, uh, but you've got a grappling, uh, grappling expertise and background as well. One of the more underrated grapplers in this area, I've got to say, uh, you know, talk a little bit about this matchup with Raymond Daniels and uh, and also uh, include kind of in, in your answer uh, just the lead up to this thing. You know, you were scheduled to, to fight uh, with Valor actually just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we got the call here to uh, to get this opportunity at the big stage, which ultimately is the whole reason that we're doing this thing at Valor is to get a fighter's opportunities, you know, to 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 to, to make the leap to the, the bigger stages. So obviously we were more than happy to let you, you know, go go chase this thing. Uh, just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, so I guess uh, going back to the going back to when I got the opportunity to get the fight, you know, it was a crazy couple of weeks there. Um, you know, there was, was I think the Monday before Christmas, and we got news that my grandmother passed away. Um, and you know, it, and Wednesday was Christmas, so it was a very subdued Christmas, trying to you know celebrate Christmas while also trying to handle all the things that needed to be done, you know, as far as my grandmother's passing. Um, and then, you know, on Friday during the funeral, I turned my phone off. Um, and then when I turned it back on, I had a couple of missed messages from uh, Coach Eric and gave him a call back and heard the news. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it is a blessing. You know, I feel like, you know, my grandmother is in, in God are locked in conversation and she's wheeling and dealing up there. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready for this opportunity and whether I feel like I'm ready or not, you know, my coaches feel like I'm ready. God thinks I'm ready. So here we are in Los Angeles about to do the thing. As far as uh, Raymond Daniels goes, you know, when I, when I found out it was him, you know, it was initially uh, like a shock of like, Oh, I actually know that guy. But then after that, you know, this is a guy that I've seen before. I mean, you know, he, yes, he has a exciting style. Yes, he's the kickboxing champion. And believe me, if they had asked me if I wanted to fight him in kickboxing, it would have taken a lot more money to get me out here. But that's not <laughs> my sport. And uh, unfortunately for me, we're, we came out here to 
to play in my sport. So, you know, he is an excellent striker. Um, I'm not scared of his striking. I've seen it before. Um, honestly, he, he fights similar to, I mean, I think my third fight, uh, third profile was Nick Martino, a uh, local guy. He fights similar to him. Um, he, he doesn't do anything I've never seen. He just does things that I've seen really well. Um, sure. So that said, I'm not. I'm not concerned about his stand up. I I respect it. I will have to make sure that I keep my hands up and I keep him moving. But you know, I'm not. I don't plan on watching him do a 720 in the air and standing completely still. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. So, um, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to be shocked by how many times he can rotate in the air. Um, but that said, you know, I am more well rounded. Um, you know, I don't. I don't go to the ground a lot. I've, I've made plans to go to the ground a lot and I just end up knocking them out faster. Um, so, you know, hopefully this fight, I do get to show some of that. If I don't, then well, I guess I'll save it for the next guy. Um, but, you know, I feel very confident that th- this is my sport. And I remember when I first started, you know, I had 20 years of karate and Taekwondo experience. The difference between doing three minutes on the feet and three minutes on the ground is a totally different feel. And it is a feel that I'm comfortable with, a feel that I'm used to, top and bottom positions. And I look forward to, you know, testing to see if if Raymond Daniels can handle, you know, a a longer round with more dynamic movements, more dynamic pressures, and um, just to see if, he, if you know, let's see what he's about. You know, he hasn't really fought anybody in MMA that, um, you know, worth, you know, uh, talking too much about. I think the last sure. guy didn't have a single picture or pro fight. So, you know, this will be a good opportunity to for the world to see who I am and for the world to see who Raymond Daniels is as an MMA fighter. And I'm excited for the opportunity to see both. Hey, man, I got to agree with you there. Like it's, you know, to me, it's obviously a it's obviously a, a very, you know, it's a it is a, a, a stern test in front of you uh, on a big stage. But I would have to imagine, if anything, just the extra processes and and, and maybe the stage itself is is kind of equally a hurdle to you for him you know you're a big step up <laughs> if you think about it, looking at his mma uh, uh opponents like you're a, ma- a major step up for him as well so it i don't think that it's just like you know oh man you know jason's going off to bellator and he's he's having to fight this world champion guy to me i, I feel like you're a massive step up from from anything he's seen in mma as well so that's what makes this fight so intriguing to me um talk a little about the experience with bellator so far now emily you've been within big so you've kind of uh, experienced this uh, to a slightly lesser degree as far as being out there early, much earlier on fight week than what you're typically brought in whenever you're fighting out of town fights. Uh, you know, generally they'll bring you in the day before, maybe two days before to save you on the the drive <laughs> there. But uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, Bellator, uh, you know, it's, it's top notch accommodations and you are brought out there with, with plenty of time to acclimate yourself to your environment but with a little bit of a, a busy schedule to go with it. So talk a little about the the process and how it, uh, you know, with Bellator is, is a little, is different. And the whole the experience essentially a fight week is uh, so much more detailed. It is very different. You have to remember this is what I worked for. So it's 
um, really cool to experience this one as a fighter, as an athlete. And again, getting to do this with your spouse, there's nothing, nothing better than that. Um, but overall, I think it helps the process. I mean, you're getting one-on-one attention from your coaches. You're getting to fine tune any last details. And of course you have like the media obligations and things like that, but it's really neat in the sense of like, you're, you're at that level that you want to compete at. That's what the top level looks like. And so everyone here has been extremely, um, nice and, uh, welcoming. And I am looking forward to the rest of this week, uh, continuing this weight cut because that's the only thing that we have to focus on. We're not worried about the dogs. We're not worried about work back home. We're not worried about anything else. This is our job and, um, we're here to do it well. So, um, it's kind of nice just getting some of the extra things off the plate, um, for the moment and just being in the moment here. It's a good time. Just to go off of that, how is it, you know, the difference in, in being there three or four days in advance and uh, cutting weight there? How How is that, um, you know, different than, than if you were traveling somewhere, you know, within driving distance and having to show up the day before, uh, before weigh-ins? Uh, you know, I think at this point we've, we've done this long enough to where the weight cut is the weight cut, um, you know between all the knowledge that you know uh, our gym has of weight cutting all the knowledge that i've developed over the years of weight cutting neither of us neither of us have to cut a ton of weight because we don't spend time we don't go in fight camps anymore we we train non-stop and then whenever we have a fight we tame, we tune up the diet a little bit so it's not like we have to lose you know 25 30 40 pounds every camp we just have to stay within a reasonable amount and then whenever an opportunity like this comes up it is a very easy you know shift into you know being ready for for a weight cut being ready for a fight so as far as the weight cut goes it wasn't too difficult as far as the differences go i mean um i I, you know for me personally i know i pulled the trigger a little bit earlier um than i normally would in terms of like how low I want to be. Uh, usually, you know, when I'm fighting in Knoxville, you know, with my the rest of the things that I have to do, I'll usually find a weight and hold it instead of trying to lose any more weight, and then I'll hold that weight until for a little bit longer. So the only difference, really, this time has been I didn't hold the weight; I just continued to lose weight uh, fairly comfortably. Stanley um, and I both have less than 10 pounds to go. We're both fully hydrated. Um, so as far as, as far as all that goes, no, no change. Uh, if we need a sauna, we'll do a sauna. If we need a bathtub, we'll do a bathtub. But, you know, in all honesty, I think it's going to be easier because like Emily said earlier, there's no other stuff we have to do. I don't have to, you know, go to work and train clients. She doesn't have to go in as a nurse, uh, for her home health job. There's no, you know, dogs to take care of. It's literally, we wake up, we do our obligations for Bellator. And then other than that, we just train and sweat and fine tune. And, you know, that that is our life for the next couple of days. And honestly, I think it makes it easier. It's a good life. It's a good life.
<laughs> well, that's a very, very, that's the, that's the answer that a, a professional would give. So it, it's good to hear, man. Like you take, it's obvious you guys take this seriously. You're staying in shape, even when you aren't necessarily have an opponent on the board, which makes all the difference. So, uh, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, just to get a little deeper into your process out there, you know, uh, Jason, I know that you are responsible for helping with a lot of weight cuts, probably Emily's weight cut. If you are not fighting, is that still the case or is Taylor kind of, you know, Taylor's also well-versed, uh, in, in, you know, making these weights and, and helping out, are you guys kind of split in like, you know, you're doing your thing and Emily's kind of doing her thing, or are you guys working on this together? I know, you know, if with Eric and weight cuts, I think it, the less, you know, he has to hear about them, the better, you know, if he doesn't know about them, that means they're going well. Uh, true story. Uh, yeah, typically if things have, there's been a lot of red button hit if Eric has to get involved in a weight cut, usually. Um, so, no, I think it'll be, um, you know, we'll we'll see what we wake up at or what we go to sleep at Thursday. But uh, for the most part, you know, it, I I trust Taylor a hundred percent. So if I anytime that I this isn't just for this fight. If I don't, if I have a fight camp myself or something's going on, um, Taylor is always more than happy to take over. Emily's weight cut is she's available and she knows her stuff just as much or more than I do. So, you know, I think, uh, Taylor will take Emily if, if needed for the last little bit. And then Eric will take me if needed for the last little bit, but you know, who knows? Like, I honestly think that I'll wake up on weight. I don't think that there'll be any issues. I think Emily will be right there behind me. So, you know, yes, I normally do Emily's weight cut, but she makes my life a lot easier in a lot of ways. But one of them being, she does what she's supposed to do. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, not to name names or anything, but like there are people you know, in my gym in past gyms and out of them that make their own weight cut hell. And you know, <laughs> right. whether it's they eat too much, they eat the wrong things, they eat at the wrong times. You know, I remember my first fight, my first amateur fight 10 years ago, we just stopped eating and drinking for three days. And then as soon as weigh-ins were over, we went to golden corral and thought that was a good idea. So, you know, some people are still stuck in those times or not much better. And, you know, there's so much science and so much knowledge out there that, you know, myself and Taylor and Emily and Eric and you know, everybody at KMA that has done this for a long time that we've just, you know, tried to fine tune and, you know, this works for one person, but it doesn't work for another. Uh, and, you know, all of these ideas get brought together. And, you know, that is, I think that is the process now is, yes, sometimes I run, I guess, quote unquote, Emily's weight cut because I, you know, I, I'm with her all the time and I live with her and it's easier that way. But you know, Taylor can just as easily do it. Eric can just as easily do it. And, you know, that trust between each other just makes all of this so much easier. To go off of that, um, kind of what Jason was saying, when you know better, you do better. And I think each time that I've cut weight, whether it be with Jason or with Taylor, we've just kept a really good log of everything that we've done so that we can modify when needed and keep what works and ditch what don't. So I guess that's a, that's a Southern way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, but but to, to put it even more clear, our first weight cut together did not go so smooth. So we have learned a lot since then. 
No doubt. Hey, that's uh, that's a good motto. My, my wife uh, instills that in her kindergartners. When you know better, you do better. If everybody would live by that, then I think we would uh, everybody get along a lot better. Uh, real quick, guys, I know I've, I've held John here a long time. You guys have got uh, things to do out there. Uh, I'm going to give you put you on the spot. And I want an honest answer from both of you here. Are you more excited for your fight or are you more excited for your spouse's opportunity, if you will? Real answer. Uh, I'll go. And you can't say <laughs> you can't say that it's equal. <laughs> um, I will go. I'll go first on this one. I am. I am more excited for it. Like, I shouldn't have went first. And I only, and I only say that because you know this is. And this is a great opportunity for both of us, but I mean, if we're talking about for me, it's a great opportunity for me. It's a great opportunity for KMA. It's a great opportunity, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of people. Um, but when I get in there, this will be back to work for me. This will be, you know, work I enjoy, work that I love, but this will be, you know, the same thing as fighting back at home at Cotton Eye Joe. This will be the same thing before that fighting, at the Knoxville Coliseum or at the, you know, uh, out back in Gatlinburg, you know, it, it, it is going back to work for me. So whenever my time comes, there will be nerves, there will be excitement, there will be all of that, but there will be a sense of work behind that. Whenever I watch Emily fight, it is all joy and pride in watching her accomplish the things that she just set out to accomplish. So when I get to take myself out of the equation and, and see somebody that you love doing what they love at the biggest stage, that is, I think, something that you can't, there's no way that I can do that and feel that way about my own fight. Um, I, that is the only some way that you feel about somebody that you love. So definitely looking uh, more forward to him. All right, Emily, your take. Well, I think Jason probably worded all that way better than I did. Um, <laughs> but I definitely am more excited for Jason only because he has been doing this longer than me. And um, he has instilled a lot of knowledge into me and time and obviously all those things. And he talked about it being um, work and work that he loves. And not that anybody deserves anything, but I see how hard he works in and out of the gym. I'm a witness to that. And I am ecstatic to watch him go to work and do the work that he loves. And just like you said, it's more of a sense of pride and joy for the other person than um, you can't really experience that for yourself. So um, it'll be it'll be really cool to watch. If you could play Bellator executive, would you switch the order, though, so you could go first? Oh, absolutely not. I'm so <laughs> excited going first. <laughs> uh, so th I, he told me I didn't hear about it until I, I got home the other night and he was telling he's like yeah so strange turn of events I might be going after you after all and it was just like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders because when we have fought on the same cards in the past not that you know you don't link too much to patterns and anything can happen on any given day but I've always gone first, first yeah. so I just I get in that mindset of okay I have to do my job and then I can be solely focused on Jason. I get mine done now the way, and then I can focus on him. And so I think he definitely has the harder job of the two of going second. 
because I think it can be a little bit of an emotional roller coaster watching your spouse and then uh, trying to get back in the right mindset. So I am I'm ecstatic about this, but I don't think Jason is. <laughs> I was going to say, Jason, your take on that. Well, I mean, obviously, I think I would have enjoyed for the same reason fighting before Emily. But the biggest thing going from main card to prelims is if you looked at like the order that they had us listed, I went from the second fight of the whole night, so like even like the second fight of prelims to the main card after Emily. So I went from like not only being before Emily, but to being like hours before Emily. So uh, now that all that got kind of swept out from under me. Um, yeah, no, I, I've definitely been dramatic about it, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it is. For, fortunately, I've been very blessed with the experience of being, you know, multiple time, you know, co-main main events back home, feature bouts. I don't think there's been a fight very in, in recent memory where I have not been one of those three. So, you know, I have to wait a little bit longer, and this is something that I have experience in. And again, Valor Fighting Challenge, it, it's what gave me that that ability is or it gave me that lesson that i've already learned so you know do i want to be patient no but <laughs> i don't really get a choice matter so it's a good thing that i've learned to become patient <laughs> very good guys i'm gonna let y'all have a chance to uh get some shout outs where they're due we're super stoked for this weekend i know this household will be uh will be turned up here at the Loistead uh for for a good evening of fights and uh hopefully before you guys get rolling we'll see uh nate the train uh get one for tennessee as well on the ufc card so i want to let you guys give some shout outs where they're due any uh, sponsors training partners you know you know the routine uh, yeah, yeah. For, uh, thank you, you know, Tim and the Valor Hour. Thank you guys for having us. Um, thank you to all the fans back home that are sending their love and support and going to be tuning in. And even if you don't like us and you're not a fan, as long as you're tuning in, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as sponsors go, uh, I, we have, we've been very fortunate to have so many people to thank here. Um, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, seriously, Surrey. Inskip Grill, Knoxville Mortgage, Wild Child Botanicals, Knox Graphics, Tri-State Metal, CRS Exteriors, Olsen's Martial Arts Academy, um, and Old Ben Franklin Motors. And I'm going to let Emily uh, bring us home. We've got Clean Cut Grooming Lounge, uh, Chanel Photography, Total Fitness Kickboxing, Knoxville Acupuncture, Total Ascent, FBS, of course, and KMA. And then for me, I have TaylorMade Fitness, and Jason has Mad Tatter Studios. So um, with that, we, again, couldn't say it better. We are very blessed and um, thankful to everyone, all of our teammates, for putting in work and uh, helping get us ready for all this. Also, Bushido Bags. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I skipped over that. That was my fault. Bushido Bags, thank you guys, too. Yeah, you got, they got their own individual shout-out, though. That's, that's a bonus. hey once again thanks so much for the time guys Uh, we're really rooting for you all big time this weekend uh we will uh keep following you all on social media keep us posted on everything's going uh, as best you can enjoy the experience more than anything best of luck uh to you guys and uh we'll look forward to uh to saturday night all right appreciate it so do we uh hopefully we uh come back tennessee fat and happy 
All right. Thanks one more time to the Kings, Jason and Emily, ahead of their big fights at Bellator 238 this weekend. You can catch them on the main card on DAZN uh, this Saturday. January 25th, best of luck to them. We will uh, we'll circle back next week when we recap these shows and uh, hopefully have some good news from those, from those cats. Uh, moving on here to the uh, second portion of the program, Justin, it is time to look back at UFC. Uh, what was it? Uh, UFC 2, what was it? 265, is that what it was? Oh, shit. I know Conor McGregor fought. <laughs> that was a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah. Uh, 2.56, I'm sorry. And that's actually what I have here. And, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it doesn't seem right, but it is. Uh, USC 2.56, it went down this past weekend uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada. The, the the fight sports capital got a big one. It was Conor McGregor taking on Cowboy Cerrone, Donald Cerrone, in uh, that big main event. You know, and last week, we, we when we were previewing this card, we, we were talking about how it felt like it was kind of a – a one fight card at the top and you know uh no i'm sorry it was you two, 246 i it comes to my attention i actually did have it typed out wrong you see 246 we don't know what the fuck we're talking about here 246 it was i did have it typed incorrectly anywho um uh, we were talking about how it was a bit of uh you know a top heavy card if you will the rest of the card you know on paper didn't didn't look to be uh, all that. Uh, well, let's go through the results here, Justin, and, and kind of get get your reactions and on uh, on what went down. Uh, first, we had a weight snag uh, before we ever got started. One of the main card fights. It was Alexa Grasso and Claudia Gedalia. Grasso overweight, I think, considerably, like five pounds. I want to say it was five or six pounds. And so I I, I read that Gedalia was still willing to fight her even with the overweight, but the commission rules um, were only uh, going to grant, I want to say I, I read three pounds was what the max could have been and Grasso couldn't get there. Uh, is that, was that a, uh, you know, how, how badly were you bummed, Justin? Was that a fight you were looking forward to? I know with it being a main card fight, it certainly was one of the better, uh, you know, name value fights that they had on this one. Yeah, it definitely was a fight that I was looking forward to. Both these girls are, um, you know, two of the, Two of the top uh, 115ers out there, um, but I guess Gross is going to have to move up now uh, to 125. Um, like you said, that she missed weight by I think five and a half pounds. Um, sucks that, that Nevada wouldn't let it happen. I, I don't know. It kind of surprised me. I guess because it's it goes off of a percentage of weight. So because they're 115 pounds, you know, it's it's I don't know what that percentage is, but you're allotted three pounds at, at 115. So. Um, I guess, you know, for a normal, you know, 145, 155 pound fight, you can have five or six pound difference. Not, you know, you've seen that before, but um, it just sucks that that we lost this fight. I think it did add, add value to the main card. We'll go ahead and dive into what we, we actually had happen. I think we ended up with 11 fights on this, originally set for 13 fights uh, at the beginning of the week. Um, but at, on the undercard, uh, starting at the beginning here, Sabina Mazo uh, with a split decision win over J.J. Aldrich. Uh, and Alexa Kamer got a unanimous decision win over Justin Ledette, uh on the early prelims. And then on the uh, televised prelims, we got an upset. Um, as Drew Dober gets a big first-round TKO victory over Nasrat Hockbrost. And Dober was, uh, it, I want to say he was the second 
second biggest underdog, the third at the worst, the third biggest underdog on the card. Um, and we talked about him last week. That was actually one of Greg Hopkins' uh, DraftKings picks because, uh, you know, uh, and I like that a lot, too, not necessarily because I thought that Dover was going to knock him out in the first round, but Dover is just so tenacious and, and durable. And I thought that at the very least he would lose a, a decision. But no, he had uh, much bigger plans there. A big win for Drew Dover. First round knockout uh, over uh, Hawk Paras there as an underdog. Uh, Askar Askarov with a unanimous decision win over Tim Elliott is striking just too much. Uh, Elliott, I think at this point, definitely a gatekeeper uh, role for him. Uh, Sadiq Youssef uh, overcomes a, uh, a lackluster third round to win a unanimous decision win over Andre Feely, who started coming on a little too uh, too late uh, to make up for the first two rounds that Youssef had. But a good big, you know, it's, it's a good solid win for Youssef, probably his, his best win yet. And then uh, heading up the undercard, uh, the yet another big upset. I, I think it's safe, like the two. I can't recall if Dover was a bigger underdog than uh, Cerrone, but I think he was. I think the two biggest underdogs on the card both won. Roxanne Modafferi with unanimous decision, dominant performance win over Macy Barber, who tore her ACL in that fight. Uh, but still, Roxanne, uh, you know, was just very dominant on top and. In uh, a huge underdog here and gets the win over uh, Macy Barber. Justin, uh, anyone stand out from this undercard uh, to you? Drew Dover definitely made a statement. You know, like you said, uh, he's got that that power striker wrestling base. You know, um, kind of kind of shoots from the head, but I mean, he throws everything into it. He's, he's starting with his big toe and just throwing massive shots, and if he lands one. You know, you better be ready to eat it. So. Um, that was super impressive. Tim Elliott, did you notice the time that Tim Elliott got hit and he was like completely out on his feet? Yes, that was in the first round. Pretty yeah. Like he was like stiff up, and then like he went, they, they took him down or something, and he kind of woke up. Yeah. yeah. His his name on like Instagram and stuff is Awkward MMA. You know, that's kind of how he fights. He's just, yeah. It's, it's nothing that you can really prepare for. Um, he does super unorthodox stuff. He doesn't move the, the way that you would think that he should move. He doesn't strike or grapple the way you think he should. Um, but that just kind of speaks even more volumes as to what, you know, Ascar was able to do because he was, seems like he was still, a, you know, a step ahead to Tim Elliott the whole time. Um, you know, Tim Elliott gave uh, Demetrius Johnson all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just to see, just to see how good uh, Askarov is, you know, I think that that is impressive. I think Tim Elliott's still, you know, up there in, in the top of the division and it's, Similar to heavyweight, where you really only need two or three big wins in a row, and you're right there back in the title picture because it's just not that that heavy of a division. Um, but great performance by Askarov. Um, I was did the Sadiq Yusuf fight didn't really go like I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be more of a I don't know. I guess more striking involved. Sadiq kind of you know took him down and, and did some grappling. It was nice to see that side of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I, I had Philly in that fight, but I thought it was because they were going to be striking more. I thought Philly was, was the better striker of the two. Um, Sadiq has massive power, but... Philly's got a uh, good jab. Yeah, he's got a super good jab. He's long and rangy, and he uses that well. Um, and he's uh, really, he's very, like, Nate Diaz-esque, mm. you know? Like, he'll go into a firefight, and he just will keep going and, and eat shots to give him. And um, that might have been a bad thing to do against Yusuf, but... Anyway, you know, Yusuf did what he had to do to get the win. Uh, Modafferi was 
That one was crazy, man. She blew up several parlays mm-hmm. for me. Uh, that was a, a gimme fight, you know. That's what it was. She was a uh, uh, let's see. I think Macy Barber was a ten to one favorite. Yeah, she was. I think Roxanne came back at like plus six or seven hundred. Yeah, and so I put her on everything, um, and it killed me. But it's cool to see her win. I mean, she's been around forever. I think they said that when she started training in, or when she turned pro in MMA, Macy Barber was six. Oh wow! So you know she's super old school. Got the double knee braces on. Um, <laughs> cool to see her get the win. She's just such a such a, a geek. It's so weird. I like to see her win, but she's on a decent streak now. I think you know in her comeback. So um, Macy Barber blew her knee out, but you know it's still a win. Marbury dominated everywhere that it went. Um, how Macy Barber gets better. Hey, you know I don't know if you noticed there is a little bit of chatter in the interwebs. Uh, Macy Barber was uh, was kind of. Uh, I guess being called out for uh, for uh, I guess being a bit of a I don't know you call it a sore loser I don't really know if you'd really say that but uh, definitely not really uh, showing a whole lot of uh, humble humble uh, humbleness if that's a word uh, in in defeat I humility. think I think yeah humility that's the word yes uh, not, not re- you know she didn't really I think I think technically she said you know uh, congratulations but uh, but there was like a it was like a, there was like a but. You know, it's like, congrats, but, you know, if I, not, if I hadn't, you know, yeah. fucked my knee up, the uh, And she wasn't really <laughs> given the interview. She kind of took yeah, it. Like, yeah, She like, went over there and was like, hey, you're going to interview me. Lucy's aren't supposed to get interviews <laughs> yeah. on the undercard especially. Yeah, and so that was really odd. But it was also odd. Did You you saw when the referee, or not the referee, but the uh, the doctor stopped the fight in between rounds and was like, yeah, let can, me see your knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when, I mean, I guess you, you see it happen with eyes and stuff, but. I mean, I've seen guys in the corner that, like, what about Tiago Santos when he fought John Jones? Mm-hmm. I mean, in this, by the second round, he tore everything in his knee, and it was very obvious. There was nobody in there. Yeah, there was no that. doctor in there saying, no. "Let me look at it." But then he says she has a partial, a small partial ACL tear. She's fine. Yeah. And then you know, come to find out, she tore. I don't know. I don't think it was a good idea for her to keep fighting, especially when, when the doctor came in and said, her ACL is partially torn. I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, as a fighter, you want to fight and you want to show that you can you can come through the adversity. But what about when this happens? Yeah. I mean, you know, she was on route to be the youngest champion ever. Now she gets set back because she didn't say, you know, between the first and second round or whatever it was. Look, I've got a blown ACL. I don't need to be fighting anymore, you know, or her corner even. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's who I think holds more blame in that is the corner. Her corner should have uh, should have thrown in the towel, I think. But um Hopefully it didn't didn't do too much damage, but she's still going to be on the sideline for six months or something. Yeah, yeah I think I read more like nine. Uh, so you know that's a, that's a pretty. Of course, it's crazy how uh, you know that that is an injury in the past though that would be like a year or more. Now it's like technology. Yeah. Uh, main card pay per view. It was uh, it was my guy. It was uh, it was CDF Carlos Diego Fajia. I thought the he was a little bit too high a favorite. I was scared at, with him being like minus two forty, minus two fifty here over Anthony Pettis. But uh, no, no, uh, he's he's good, man. He submits Anthony Pettis in the second round with a rear naked choke. Uh, Pettis just hasn't shown the ability to hang with like top notch grapplers. It seems like on the ground, and uh, big win for CDF. That's a that's a good feather in his cap, and I think that uh, you're going to see him move. I mean, this was a big fight. 
but I think you're going to get to see him in some like real big fights now coming up. And he's shown that he deserves it, man. Like he, and, he, and now like people are wise to it too. It's not like he's not sneaking up on people. Mm-hmm. Now I mean, this is the guy that was an underdog in most of his fights. He's plus money for so long and in yeah. winning great money for me. And now, and then it flips to him being a two and a half to one favorite over Anthony freaking Pettis. Uh, your thoughts on that one. I think, you know, as far as Pettis' grappling goes, like, Fajitas is on another level. He's not even, he's not even like the normal elite grapplers in the division. You know, um, Pettis submitted Gilbert Melendez, who is, you know, one of the best sure. grapplers in MMA, submitted Benson Henderson, who's no easy task. But Fajitas is, Fajitas is a world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu player. Yeah. Not just, it's just, it's not just a part of his arsenal, it's the foundation of it, you know. And he's learned how to strike along the way. But um, that's a tough loss for Pettis going back down. I didn't like the fight when he took it. Um, I don't know, you know, who he fights now. He's getting getting to that point where, I mean, he's what eight years removed from being a champion yeah, or something. Yeah, a while now. And he's not getting any closer. He went up to one seventy, did some good stuff. I mean, he, he just knocked out Josh Thompson, mm-hmm. so he's still relevant. But it's just, what do you do with him? You can't throw him. I mean, I think that this was a bad move on the UFC's part, really. I guess to build the hands name, but you still got a star in Pettis if you build him the right way. And you know, if they would have given Pettis a, what about Gaethje? Give Pettis Gaethje. I think that Pettis wins that fight. Gaethje's a huge name, but I think that Gaethje falls right into Pettis' style. Right. Um, you know, I think if if Dustin Poirier and and Eddie uh, can knock out uh, Gaethje, I think that that Pettis can. Um, I think Pettis could, you know, a little, little bit slicker on the ground if they go there. But um, I don't know. I, I, what do you think? What do you think would be a good matchup for him moving on? For Pettis? Yeah. Man, you know, I think I think ideally he gets someone that will stand with him and uh, and be, uh, you know, and give and give the fans, a, you know, a striking exchange. Uh, man, that's a tough one. Put me on the spot here, uh, right off the top of my head. Um, you know, you could look at uh, someone like uh, heck. Why not Sadiq Yusuf? Fought earlier on the card. That's a guy that's going to stand and bang. He's uh, he's hot. He's on the come up. Pettis uh, with a loss here, so that could be a, an opportunity for Yusuf to kind of make his uh, make his way on Pettis's name, while at the same time giving Pettis stylistically a fight that he can succeed in. Yeah, it's just not a lot of name value. I feel like you know you throw another uh, somebody like Sadiq Yusuf. I think it is a good matchup for Pettis, but their style is such that. He's definitely could get knocked out. Sure. (laughs) And, you know, um, so I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like a a Gagey or something would have been a a better shot before this. But now it doesn't do anything for Gagey. It doesn't do anything for Gagey. But I feel like you need a name for Pettis to Mm -hmm. beat. I I think you still need to, you don't need, you don't need to be giving him people who are, who don't have a name yet, but that are going to be superstar. Yeah. You know, you don't need to build off of it. Or what about, uh, what about like somebody like a Calvin Cater? That's a guy that is probably going to engage like he wants to, you know, mm-hmm. and is you know, he's at least he's main evented some lesser cards. Yeah, uh, I think he has a main event coming up. Mm-hmm. He? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. The, the fight that took the place of the uh, the Gedalia versus Grosso fight uh, ended up being promoted from low on the card. It was Brian Keller over uh, 
Bobby Osborne uh, with a submission in the first round, uh, guillotine, uh, Keller as a, a small underdog here. Osborne coming in off the contender series, and Keller kind of that was fighting for his job, I think, here a little bit. You know, he'd, he'd been on the slide. So, a uh, big win for him. And um, I don't know about uh, Osborne. It's hard to say. I mean, I wasn't, you know, he looked, he's built well. And, you know, he's got good size and length for the for the weight and whatnot. But uh, that was, a, I guess it was a big, a big, you know, step up you know, on the card and being on pay-per-view and stuff like that. Maybe just kind of, kind of choked. Uh, one guy that uh, that kind of choked was Maurice Green in the uh, the next bout. It was Alexi Olenek with a second round armbar submission over Maurice Green. Uh, man, that was this one was a bit of a slog, a little bit uh, a little questionable for paper for the feature bout on a pay per view event, in yeah. my opinion. You know, Olenek was dog ass tired, uh, so tired in in the second round. Uh, had been beat up pretty good by uh, Green, uh, but and Green had fended off submission attempt after submission attempt, but finally succumbed to the armbar in the second round. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, Linick, uh, I don't know. I don't know that he's knocking on the door of contendership or anything with his win. I think he shows that he can still compete with getting a getting a finish, obviously, but um, against you know, man, Green. I think it's just it's a bad loss for Green more than anything. It was a, he was putting a spot on the card to kind of show out and make a statement and, and he ended up uh uh you know just kind of kind of choking i guess honestly uh your thoughts on uh these two uh on the pay-per-view before we get to the main event the co-main i actually like the placement of the olenic fight you know the dudes as just as far as olenic goes you know taking taking green out of the picture mm. for a second olenic's 46 years old yeah. he's got 72 fights and he's still in there beating the top guys in the world i mean the guy puts his arms around you and the squeeze you know, he's putting guys to sleep in positions that you shouldn't be able to put guys to sleep yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, the squeeze is so yeah. tight, you know. And, um, and he's he's not the greatest striker, but he, he'll walk through it to get where he needs to be. And eventually, you know, he'll, he'll weather the storm and, and take it. And for a, a, a main event like we've got, I feel like it starts setting it up good. I think that they may have messed up on the placement of the co-main event. Maybe put that one on the wrong card. But um, especially had this one been followed up by a strong – um, you know, gritty co-main event, I think would have been a better option. But uh, I think Maurice Green also made a, a decent show for himself. I mean, as you said, it was a big loss for him uh, because it was, an, it was a good opportunity for him. But I don't think he necessarily suffers off this loss either. I mean, he was there fighting the whole time. You know, he's getting squeezed to death and still throwing punches. Um, you know, so I think that it doesn't doesn't ruin him. Mm. It, it can be something that it's looked back on where, man, man, when I was first starting out, I fought this legend. Right, right. You know, um, did I say that uh, Atlantic's got 72 professional MMA fights? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's been around forever. That's not to mention his combo sambo or combat sambo t- tournaments and stuff. Um, he just had a jiu-jitsu match with Gordon Ryan. Mm. You know, like, it's crazy to, to see the things the dude's doing. So he'll end up being, you know, a heavyweight that we look back on like a Mark Coleman or somebody like sure. that, you know, just, just, uh, just a super tough, gritty guy. And so, you know, to have a loss, this it's, it'll be just build experience from where he's green. I think the co-main event, uh, my opinion, uh, coupled with, with that fight kind of brought my, my viewing experience to a bit of a, uh, a dip at that point. I, we had uh, Holly Holm versus, 
Raquel Pennington next in the co-main event. Holly Holm uh, uses a very clinch-heavy attack um, that Pennington just wasn't prepared for, I guess. Uh, I think Pennington came out there expecting to get the Holly Holm that is – you know, uses that great footwork and, uh, you know, and, and, and striking. And uh, tonight, uh, Holm had a different game plan, and uh, Pennington was not able to uh, was not able to adapt as Holm gets a pretty wide decision um, on the scorecards unanimously in a fight that I was uh, less than enthralled with. Yourself? Yeah. Um, Raquel's made a, you know, she made a post right afterwards talking about she came there to fight and not get hugged the whole time. But like we were talking about earlier with the Kings, it's MMA. I mean, you, you're – it's within the rule set. You're doing what you need to do to win the fight, and ultimately that's what, what you're there to do. It's not the most entertaining fight for us to watch. But at, the fact is Holly Holm was physically stronger and able to muscle around Raquel Pennington and put her in the positions that she wanted her to be in. Mm-hmm. Raquel couldn't do what she needed to do to get out of this position. She wasn't strong enough, and she didn't have, you know, the certain techniques that, that would have allowed her to escape. Um, and then, you know, she engaged in the clinch a couple of times herself, which was she was obviously losing in, in, in that position. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think that it was a good win for Holly just because she, she fought the game plan that she needed to fight to – Live another day. I mean, Rocky's also a fucking hitter, man. Oh yeah. Like, you can go in there and get knocked cold, and Holly's coming off of a knockout loss. Mm-hmm. Like, she needed, she didn't need to, that to happen again. She needed to win a fight, and um, so I don't hate the performance because of that. But you know, I know that it's it's not the most fun thing to watch. But I was surprised and, and interested in it because I thought that as far as muscle went, I thought Raquel would win that that battle, but she was way overpowered by by Holly Holm. <laughs> Um, that right brings us to the main event of the evening. It was the notorious when Conor McGregor making his long awaited return to the octagon against the cowboy Donald Cerrone. And, uh, this was all Conor, man. It was, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, most of us was in, were in agreement that we would see some sort of stoppage in this fight in the first half of the fight, you know, either way it went. Uh, I don't know about 40 seconds. I didn't expect 40 seconds. That's for sure. But it was a very dominant performance, uh, creative, uh, you know, striking flying knee right out of the gate. Um, you know, vicious shoulder strikes that uh, damaged Cerrone uh, to the point that he was become just a, a defensive fighter at that point, just, just covering up, reacting, big head kick floors him, and then uh, some uh, GNP finishes it off. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't expect this, it to go that fast either. Connor came out with a big left hand to start things off. Just like I, I don't know if he was trying to set the record for fastest knockout mm-hmm. or what he was doing, but you know he was also the first punch that he's thrown in 16 months or something. Sure, and it was the only shot that he missed the entire fight. Mm-hmm. He went 19 for 20 on, on significant <laughs> strikes. Everything else landed on the way in for that. You know, Donald level changed. It was, you know, pretty telegraphed, but Donald level changed. Um, and Connor sprawled right away, front leg coming out and, and kind of catching Donald on the side of the head. And I think that might have wobbled him a little bit. So he let off the takedown, entered that clinch, and um, those shoulders were just, just perfect. You know, it's nothing new. We've seen, we see it all the time. John Jones does it. But to that level of effectiveness, yeah, right? To that level of effectiveness is just, it's unreal. You know, he was, he was 
landed it more on the top of the shoulder, broke Donald's nose with one of those mm. shoulder strikes, you know. Um, and then, you know, Donald threw a high kick, kind of caught Connor's shoulder, and he threw one right back and hit him right in the jaw. And, you know, when you take your – there's a few ways to kick, you know, a lot, like ideally you want your shin to catch right across that jawline and, yeah. and just, you know, then they're out cold. Um, but a lot of times you see guys hitting with the foot, and that's where you see a lot of head kicks that don't drop guys. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, they kind of walk through them. Well, the way that Connor threw it, he kind of curled his, his toes back, so he, his foot turns into a fist, and it hit him right in the jaw. Yeah, right, you know, like, I mean, yeah, it didn't even. It wasn't a slap. You know, it looks yeah. like a foot strike, but I mean, it was a solid head kick. Yeah. And to see him do that on the guy with the most head kick finishes, right? You know, it's like. I'm going to counter your high kick with a high kick yeah. and knock you out with it. Basically, I mean, yeah. Cowboy was done at that point. You know, he was already done before that, and that high kick just just finished it off. I think that it was, you know, you couldn't have written a better script. You know, that wouldn't even be believable if you're if you're telling <laughs> the Conor McGregor story right. one day, like, and they were like, okay, I'm going to set this out in advance. Like, you can't just go in there and walk through the guy. Yeah. You, know, you have to have a little adversity yeah. in this and. I don't no. think a, I don't think a hair came out of place. No, he was perfect when he walked out. Chell said that he was there for an, less than an hour. He said probably about forty minutes before walking out. Oh wow! So you know, he walking in, yeah, he walks in in his three piece, takes that off, takes a drug test, gets his hands wrapped, warms up, walks out there, and does yeah, thing. in forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> forty minutes, it, he he gets ready, and then forty seconds he wins. Yeah. You know, I guaranteed three million plus whatever he's making on the back end, which is way more than that. Um, I think it was I think it was great for him. I'm interested to see what comes and you know what the story brings next. So, uh, looking up and down this card, man. Uh, overall, the you know just taking into account the paid portion, uh, the final five fights. Uh, what was the price tag on this one? About seventy dollars or something. I heard that it was eighty-five. Eighty-five. I, I thought I heard eight, I heard seventy nine. I heard eighty. Uh, I actually heard eighty nine too from somebody. But eighty bucks, we'll say. Uh, you know, uh, was it worth it, man? Obviously, I mean, if you if you tune into it knowing that you know, the fight's only going to last forty seconds, then you know um, that's hindsight's twenty twenty. Anything can happen. But overall, the action on this pay per view card. Uh, or are you a happy camper after spending that? Um, fortunately, I'm not going to spend that. I mean, <laughs> right. I guess but just, just, you know, uh, hypothetically speaking, um, probably not. I mean, for me, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird question for me. I'm not going to spend that. I'm going to go to the to mm-hmm. bar or something. To sure. Market, um, just cause I just think that's an outrageous amount to charge, but right. I wouldn't miss it. If it, if it came down to me having to pay for it, I would have paid for it. And to I, see what I happened. Yeah. I would have been like, Oh man, that sucks that the rest of the card wasn't that good, but I got to see what I wanted to see with the main event. Sure. I'm paying for it for the rest of the card, I guess. Um, You know, also, I mean, I'm not just one of those people that's going to tune in for the main event. So, you know, the, the, the main card itself wasn't, wasn't worth it. The main event was probably worth the price tag though, just to, just to see, I mean, love him or hate him. Connor's making setting records and, and making history. Yeah. So, you know, you're still getting you're to witness. In, you're getting more to tune in for the, for the spectacle that it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same reason you're going to watch when John Jones fights. Um, you know, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't miss it for, for anything. If I'm just a regular casual fan on, you know, a, in a middle income life, I guess, you know, <laughs> I would have to go to a bar to see it, sure. but I, I don't know. I, I think that's a different topic, though. I just think that the pay-per-views are getting a little 
a little out of hand, but I'm, you know, also probably a special price for Connor too. I don't know. Yeah. So speaking of that main event, yeah, they're also the interwebs all also always full of conspiracy theorists and, and haters, if you will. Uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of claims that this fight was fixed, that this fight was fixed. And, um, you know, the whole thing was a work. I think that's pretty absurd, pretty, pretty, uh, asinine really. You know, I don't think that I think if, if you're going to do that, then you're going to give us a lot more drama to it. You know, I think uh, I think that, that those claims are uh, a bit unfounded yourself. Yeah. I mean, first off, Cowboy suspended for like six months. So, yeah. you know, for for injuries that sustained that fight, he broke his nose. There was a lot of work done in that short amount of time. Why would you go through all that damage? If you're going to take that much damage, spread it out and right. give us an entertaining fight. Right. Um, and that that's just to, to speak to to a, being a fixed fight. But even going further than that, Cowboy's not the fucking guy. <laughs> right. Like, I don't think the what I'm saying before is I don't think the UFC is going to do all that. But if they were, yeah. Cowboy's not the fucking dude. He's going to do it. No, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, um, Cowboy's not going to go throw a fight. You've seen you've seen him get the shit beat out of him before. I mean, he's going to try to fight till the end. Yeah. It's his life. He, he, it's what he loves to do. Um, so I think that the people saying that really just don't know who they're talking. I mean, I, I don't see how you can believe that, that the UFC is trying to throw fights because I guess we're involved in it so closely, you know, for that much, with that much money on the line and stuff. Um, I don't know. I just don't think the UFC is doing it. But even if you think that, then you must just not know who who you're talking to. Yeah, the players involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up this talk here, man, and move on to other things. Uh, biggest winner and loser on the night. To me, I think there's several options here because, like, you know, uh, to cop out on it to a degree, you know, honorable mention, if you will, Drew Dober, I feel like, was a big winner tonight. He uh, This was supposed to be a fight for Akbaros. And Dober, with a big win, now I think gets potentially a pretty big fight next. I would have to imagine he's going to get a, a, fi- a top 15 fight next. Big big win for Drew Dober. Uh, I would say with Mata Ferry, it's a big win for her. Uh, she derails the hype train that was Macy Barber, even via the asterisk next to it with the injury. Still a big win for Roxanne. Probably gets her a big, a, a, a fairly big fight. Um, and then, uh, man, of course, you, you've got to say uh, Connor, a big win. You know, he comes in there and just looks like a million bucks, doesn't break a sweat, doesn't have a scratch on him. Uh, like you said, just uh, all in a very short day's work. But uh, I'm going to give the biggest winner to CDF, man. I think uh, he just is a big – it's a, the best a feather in his cap to date name-wise, and I think he, you're going to see him like in a co-main event, main event type of situation next. Uh, biggest loser on the card, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Macy Barber. Now, even though she tore the ACL, uh, she showed a lot of heart in, uh, you know, getting all the way through the fight. But at the end of the day, she lost as the biggest favorite on the card to Roxanne Montefiore, who hardly anyone gave any chance of winning this fight to, and then probably lost fans afterward with just the way she handled her, handled herself, kind of 
pretentiously, if you will. Uh, Justin, you're a biggest winner and loser. Uh, now that I've like copped out and like <laughs> gave you half of the design. <laughs> well, I'm going to take away. I'm not going to use any of those. I think Brian Kelleher gets my biggest okay. winner. Okay, save his job. Yeah, coming off a couple losses, saving his job. He goes in there and gets a first-round guillotine over a guy who's, you know, favored to win the fight. Um he rose to the occasion, did what he had to do, and it puts him back. You know, it's, a, it's also a shallow division. I think it puts him back in the mix in that division, you know, uh, somewhere in the lower top 15 probably. But, um, you know, it was it was definitely saved the job on that one. My biggest loser is uh, Raquel Pennington. Um, you know, she got dominated. I think I, you, go, you have it down 29-28. I thought one judge had it 30-26. I thought it was – Two judges, 30-27, and one 30-26. Um, I got this from uh, MMA Mania, so just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going off memory of, off that night, so I must I must have gotten it wrong. But I could have seen it being a 30-26. I mean, Rocky didn't do anything. You know, Rock, or Holly Holm just, just put her in those positions that she controlled, you know, four and a half, five minutes almost of, of each round. Um I guess not, you know, probably three and a half, four minutes. Um, so, I, you know, I think it was a uh, Raquel was looking to have a big year and that threw her off, you know, derailed that plan early on. So that does it for UFC 246. It's in the books. And uh, well, let's look forward to this weekend. We've got a little double header action and it's a, a rare Saturday Bellator card. Uh, as we spoke earlier to uh, the uh, Jason and Emily King, uh, husband and wife that will be competing on this card. We're going to run it down here. Of course, it is on Saturday, January 25th from Los Angeles, and uh, it's going to be on zone. And uh, this is Bellator 238. And looking at the undercard, oh, so briefly, Justin, that starts at 730. You can watch it on the zone. You watch it for free on Bellator.com and the Bellator app. Uh, let's see here. Tony Bartovich takes on Jerry Connor. A couple pro debuts. We don't know. Ricardo Sejas. Say, I'm going to say Sejas. I bet he's Brazilian. Versus Dominic Clark at lightweight. Uh, we've got Brandon Bender versus Josh Jones. Don't know these people. Here's one of note. Curtis Millinder. He was in the UFC of late, and he is making his Bellator debut against Moses Muriata. We've got Anthony Taylor against another uh, UFC vet in Chris Avila, who didn't have much luck in the UFC. I know he's with the D as brothers, uh, Chris Avila. Uh, Miguel Jacob takes on David Pacheco, J.J. Wilson versus Mario Navarro. Uh, and then at the top of the prelims, we've got some names we know. A.J. Agazarm, decorated uh, grappler, uh, takes on Adele Altamimi, who was the uh, – he was the soldier that uh, Bellator had got behind. He's a, he's like a Middle Eastern guy mm -hmm. that uh, he's got a great story, and so it's kind of interesting to see them put those put those guys against each other here. It's a a, a pretty good test for Agazarm, uh, and then Aaron Pico, man, the ever the 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 times and life and times of Aaron Pico is tumultuous. Four and three. Aaron Pico comes in here, headlining the prelims against Daniel Carey, seven and three. Uh, anything on these uh, prelims uh, worth uh, making sure you uh, tune in to check out, Justin? And is this uh, what is where does this uh, does this opponent land for Pico as far as like danger? Uh, you know, he, you know, I to me, I feel like Pete, this is a good matchup for Pico in this one. Yeah, I think so too. I think that you know they had to find somebody that that was gonna 
you know, try to put on a little bit of a show, but that was going to fall into Aaron's, you know, game. Um, being four and three now, he was somebody that they that they brought in like this is going to be our next big superstar. You know, and he, he kind of made his his whole career in Bellator. Um, AJ Agazarm is always a character to watch. You know, he's with the Diaz boys, and uh, I guess they'll probably be there with him. So that's always a show. Three and zero. I thought they had lost before. I'm, I don't know. Maybe not, but. Um, I feel like you're. I feel like you're right. I copied and pasted that, but now that I think, now that I think about it, I feel like he lost his damn debut. Yeah, I think so too. Because uh, yeah, him and Aaron Pico kind of came in around the same time, I think. And um, anyway, that's kind of a, a matchup that I want to see in the future is AJ Agazarm and Aaron Pico. But they were kind of trying to build them both sure. up separate paths, I think. Um, but he, you know, like you say, he's got a good good test in front of him. Uh, the only one I'm really familiar with, other than that. You know, uh, as Curtis Millinder, I was surprised to see him over at Bellator. Um, I don't remember. Did he go on a losing streak or something? Yeah, I, I guess he did here. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling up here real quick. Uh, and Agazar is 2-1. That's, that two was, and uh, one. That That's was right. listed incorrectly there on on the MMA Mania where I copied a face. But now he's 2-1. And, one and um, apparently, uh, he, yeah, he, did, he did lose his uh, debut. To uh, Jesse Roberts in a split decision. I'm looking up Curtis Millinder real quick as well to see like if he uh, if he just went on a, a shit streak here to get uh, ousted for the UFC. He's 17 and five, and he lost two in a row. He lost to Blau Muhammad and he lost to uh, 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 Zaleski. Uh, so uh, so he lost two in a row. But before that, he had won three in a row. So uh, you know, I guess they just didn't like him. Yeah, he may have been at the end of his contract and wanted to test the waters other places. Um, it's just weird to see him. Yeah, I don't know. I think that he's, as far as Bellator talent goes, I think he's definitely in the top in the top range there. Um, kind of surprised to see him on the undercard. Maybe they're just trying to, I don't know, put put better fights, you know, b- bigger names. Like I'm surprised about Aaron Pico and AJ Agazarm too um, being on the undercard, but. I guess they're just trying to put some names on there that you recognize and uh, and build it. But he's a, he's a guy that's he's definitely main card caliber fighter, you know, in, in the UFC. And um, so I'm interested to see. I don't know much about his opponent, but I'm interested to see uh, see how he looks. He's always looked good in the past. Main card starts off with Emily King, uh, who we just spoke with a bit earlier. She'll be taking on Ava Knight, uh, WBC uh, professional boxing champion. One and zero in MMA though, uh, and this one, uh, yeah, Ava Knight won her um, her debut against uh, Shannon Goffrey. Uh, so they have a common opponent here. Uh, Emily on a three-fight winning streak, though. She's had a great uh, past year where, where she really you know, turned her record around, got it back to 500 here, and now uh, steps into uh, you know, a, a main card slot, a big, uh, a big spotlight here to lead off the main card against Ava Knight. Her husband, Jason King, up next at 8-5, uh, will be taking on Raymond Daniels, 1-1 one one in MMA, uh, the current Bellator kickboxing champion. Um, Another guy that uh, he's coming off of a big highlight knockout uh, over in England on one of those uh, European cards that Bellator does. Uh, but, you know, Raymond Daniels, uh, you know, he's like 40 years old, very decorated kickboxer. One has to imagine, though, that uh, Jason King is going to have the advantages 
in uh, in the grappling department here. Uh, Shirley Daniels has been working on his grappling, but uh, Jason King uh, had training in MMA for uh, a long time and uh, well deserving this opportunity. I'm very excited to see uh, him go out there and take advantage of uh, a main card slot. Uh, also on the uh, main card, Sergio Pettis, um, talking about his brother Anthony Pettis uh, fighting this past weekend. He'll be taking on Alfred Kashakian, uh, and he is, uh, you know, these are two all-action guys. Probably going to get a nice little stand-up war here. Uh, we've got Henry Corrales taking on Juan Archuleta. Archuleta, big record, 23-2. and two. That's featherweight bout. And then uh, the featherweight Grand Prix quarterfinal, Darian Caldwell takes on the undefeated Adam Boritz. Uh, and Boritz, uh, man, he's 14-0. and 0. He just keeps knocking guys off here. Uh, very, very tough matchup against Darian Caldwell. Main event is for the world title featherweights it'll be a cyborg making her way over uh, uh to bellator as she takes on julia budd uh and julia budd's tough you know and i think a lot of people are overlooking her in this fight obviously the hype on on cyborg uh what are your thoughts on this main card any predictions in particular i'm not asking you to pick all the fights but anything uh, in particular jump out to you and uh you know which which fights uh, are have you have you interested uh, obviously the biggest two for me are jason king and emily um, I'm excited to see if Jason goes in there. You know, around here, people know Jason as, as an elite striker, and um, but they don't think about the fact that he's been, you know, working his ground game doing jiu-jitsu for seven or eight years now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a long time. Um, but he doesn't ever get to show that around here. You know, he just he goes in there and finishes, the fight, that, yeah. Yeah, finishes the fight on the feet. And um, so I'm kind of interested to see if he goes in there and, and strikes with him or if he's going to go in there and, you know, using a, a more ground grappling based game plan um i just can't wait to see that fight though uh, i think it's a big big opportunity for emily you know i think you know her game plan will probably be going in and wrestling too you know even like being a i think was she wbc wbc world champion, world champion yeah um you know so i think you know your, your best bet obviously she's only got one mma fight um you know go in there and try to try to submit or show her that this isn't just boxing you know just having one one aspect of the sport's not gonna um, not gonna gonna do it for you. Um, you know, similar approach as, as what Taylor took with Heather, like we talked about. Absolutely. Before. Um, uh, let's see, another big fight I'm looking forward to on that one is the uh, the Darian Caldwell and Adam Borg's fight. You know, like you said, Adam Borg's been just running through everybody. Um, I think Darian Caldwell. I don't know if he's coming off of losses, but. He did lose to the uh, to the Rising champion though. Mm-hmm. Um, both times, I think they fought twice, and he lost both times. I don't know if that was his last fight or not, but um, you know, those are smaller guys. Uh, he actually he he lost um, to Kiyochi Horiguchi, but his last time out, he won against Henry Corrales. Henry Corrales, okay, mm-hmm. that's another tough out, man. Um, Henry Corrales is on this card too, fighting Ar- mm-hmm. Juan Archuleta. Um, that'll be that. That'll be a fight. I think you should look out for also is Henry Corrales and Juan Archuleta. That's those are two you know elite guys, um, big strikers. Juan Archuleta trains with um, uh, T.J. Dillashaw. Um, Henry Corrales is at the lab, I think. Um, so that'll be a fun one to watch. I'm actually surprised that Juan Archuleta is such a big favorite in that fight. I, I think Juan Archuleta might be coming off of a loss. Um, I think both of them are actually coming off of losses. Uh, so that'll be a good one. Um, I look for Adam Borg to win that, win that fight, though. Um, 
Cyborg and Julia Budd, this is a fight that, you know, was talked about a long time ago. Um, just now coming coming back around. Um, Cyborg is a huge favorite. She always is. Uh, but coming off of a loss, I don't know. You know, Julia Budd's tough. You know, I don't know. I don't think she's Amanda Nunes for sure. But um, just interested to see what Cyborg's uh, Cyborg looks like after losing for the first time in nine or ten years or whatever it was. Sure. You know, she's she's been dominant for a long, long time, and to get knocked off that pedestal does things to people. You know, you look at Jose Aldo, and, um, just you know, people who were dominant for years right. and years and years, and they get knocked off. And they just never really come back from it. So that could be um, tempered with the excitement, though, of debuting in a new promotion and wanting to yeah. kind of seeing that as new. Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe maybe plays, you know, evens it out there. Um, but it'll be be a fun fight to watch. So interesting, interesting to see. Pretty good offering, you think, from Bellator to go head to head, pretty much with the UFC card. Uh, overall, it's not it's not you know. And I'm usually the first to be like, eh, this isn't a Bellator card that I'm too excited in. But this is pretty solid, pretty solid event. Yeah, I agree. I think the the main card for sure is is you know it's a solid main card for sure. Um, and then with with some big names on the undercard also. Okay, let's move on to the other card. We just kind of uh, mentioned it. It is UFC Fight Night 166. It's going to be from Raleigh, North Carolina. Your new neck of the woods, uh, Justin. And it is going to be an ESPN Plus card. The whole mofo is on ESPN Plus. And uh, it starts at 5 o'clock with the prelims. Looks like we have 12 bouts on this card. And it kicks off with the one that I'm the most excited for. Uh, and that is a lightweight affair with Herbert Burns taking on Nate the Train Landwehr. I am so excited to see Nate the Train get that opportunity in the UFC. Reigning M1 Global Champion. He's defended that thing three times, I think. Um, you know, just uh, a, a great character. We've had him here on the Valor Hour before. Uh, all action. You don't see boring Nate the Train fights. He is going to bring it. He's going to be in your face the whole fight. Um, you know, Herbert Burns, the uh, the brother of Gilbert Burns, who, uh, you know, both these guys are, are world class uh, jujitsu players, very good grappling pedigree. So, you know, looking at this one, I, I see that, you know, Burns uh, is probably going to have that advantage on the ground if he but but getting it there and keeping it there versus Nate Landwehr has been historically a very difficult difficult thing to do with while avoiding those those melting uh shots that he throws with really bad intention so you know uh we'll, we'll dive into that here in just a moment running down the rest of the uh prelims card it's uh it's got a little bit of southeastern flavor i guess you would say we got tony gravely against brett johns tony gravely coming off the contender series he's out of the virginia area we got sarah mcmahon uh, who's out of north carolina there taking on lena landsberg in a band Bantamweight affair. We've got Montel Jackson taking on Felipe Calaris at Bantamweight as well. Middleweight is uh, Bevan Lewis taking on Daquan Townsend. Um, Bevan Lewis, I think, originally based out of Georgia. And then Justine Keish, another fighter with North Carolina uh, ties, I believe, taking on Lucy Pudilova at uh, at flyweight uh justin i know you are excited as well about this nate landwehr uh to fight uh that uh, talk about that and anything else on this undercard that uh would be worth checking out at uh you know early early on i cannot wait to see nate's fight um nate's a guy that i've watched you know with you for years and um he's always been that same dude you know he, 
part of what Nate brings is is the intensity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in your face. He's talking shit. He's you know that his arrogance and confidence is through the roof. And like, sure. you know, it, it, it's when he went to Russia, man. They, they he fought he fought dudes that were 19, 20 and 0, 21 and one. Oh, that was, that was all. Yeah, they're they were doing everything they could to take their title. I mean, that's yeah. M1, it's M one's title. You know, yeah. it's like it's like the Russian title. Right. And so um, Nate went over there. You know. That just being Nate, not scared of a fucking thing, and you know, took over. Um, I'm interested to see it. I mean, I think he's, I think he has the potential to be a massive star in the UFC. Um, you know, he talks the talk, walks the walk, and um, yeah, he's a bad, bad dude. I think uh, hopefully, hopefully he he's prepared for the for the groundwork. I know that he, you know, he's in the gym every day, and I'm sure he's he's ready to go, but. If if Herbert can't get it to the ground, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be in in some pain there. Um, remember when Justine Kish shit herself? I do, I do. I was just thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. That is awful. <laughs> God, man, I, uh, I've thought about that before. I puked in the cage one time, and it was like the most embarrassing right, thing right, in the right. world. Um, yeah, I don't. Not a whole lot of uh, other intrigue on the card, you know, Sarah McMahon is a big big thing where i'm at um she went to school not too far from where i live at and uh you know went to the olympics and uh lena landsberg isn't that uh isn't she somebody's wife maybe uh is she is, the, is with nunez that's what i was thinking i think that's nunez's wife okay yeah i feel like it is but um anyway uh uh let's see bevan lewis that'll be a fun fight bevan lewis is is not too bad man um, he usually comes in there and, and ready to fight. Um, Padlova, I don't know, can't remember much about Padlova right off the bat, but uh, 125ers, you know, it's kind of the, one of those shallow divisions. So somebody goes out there and puts on a hell of a performance, they can give themselves, you know, a, a shot in the ladder uh, in that division too. It's one of those cards where they, you know, a lot, most UFC cards, you know, they don't really, doesn't seem like pay a whole lot of attention to, geographics uh when it comes to booking uh you know to booking people uh but yeah it looks like they've actually kind of paid attention to where they're at here and use a lot of people from around that area i'm surprised we don't see jordan rinaldi yeah uh, on this card i tried know? to get us some tickets and these bastards never even responded to me oh my gosh the, the nerve i can't believe it <laughs> uh man I, I gotta say i'm also you know most excited for the nate landwehr fight i think the pace he brings the intensity is going to be very hard for Burns to withstand. Uh, you know, I, there is a train of thought, a, a worry, a concern, if you will, that potentially uh, Nate Train misses on a, you know, a big shot and potentially allows the opportunity for Burns to get his back or mm-hmm. something like that. So, you know, still think Nate has to be, you know, controlled and measured to a degree. You know, you can't you can't go out there and just you know, whiff on a big one, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and Greg Hopkins style and, <laughs> and, uh, and let the guy, you know, uh, take over where he's, where he's strong. But no, man, I'm super excited and, and, uh, and, and pumped for that. Even with that being said, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to submit that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put him to sleep. I mean, yes. You're not going to, you know, it, I got an example of that was the Olenek fight this week of Maurice Green. You know, Olenek had him in a choke in one point where he's squeezing, 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 probably blew his arms out but you know maurice wasn't going to quit that's the same thing that you're going to have with with um with nate i mean he's not going to give up you have to put him to sleep or break his arm um you know and, and that 
if he doesn't, if, if, if it's, if you're unsuccessful, you got to get back up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that he does to these guys. He's been put in bad positions a lot of times, but he fights through them. He's not going to stop. And, um, you know, that, that is a mental, a mental fuck too, you know, like, no doubt. what do I got to do to this guy? Like, you know, I, I just fucking had him deep, deep, deep and couldn't finish him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a great fight. Main card uh, starts at 8 o'clock, so I guess you can almost watch both cards. Uh, main cards, almost. They're going to overlap a little bit. Uh, main card, for me, is I'm not enthralled with it, to tell you the truth. I've got, on. i got to say, I probably have more interest in the Bellator main card. Yeah, uh, the uh, We kick it off with light heavyweights, Jamal Hill versus Darko Stosic. I believe that is the protege of Krokop, if I can recall. But I also think maybe he's been underwhelming, from what I recall as well. Uh, Hannah Cyphers, another North Carolina native, takes on Angela Hill, yet another North Carolina native, in a, in a battle of North Carolina straw weight, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, straw weights in the UFC. I like Hannah Cyphers. You know, I like watching her fight. Not yeah. as big a fan of Angela Hill, but uh, but I like watching Hannah Cyphers fight because because she, she's like so unassuming. If you watch her interviews, she like is, you know can't really talk very good, and she's like nervous. But then she goes out there and fights mm-hmm. her ass off. Uh, Jordan Espinosa takes on Alex Perez at flyweight. Um, Arnold Allen uh, takes on Nick Lentz at featherweight. And um, then, of course, the co-main event, Mike Chiesa versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, that fight could be pretty good. I think that would be a good action fight. My wife really likes uh, Mike Chiesa, so I'd say we'll tune in for that. And then the main event, it is heavyweights. Curtis Blades takes on JDS Junior Dos Santos heavyweight action. Uh, what about this main card? Um, I actually like Angela Hill in this fight. Hannah Cyphers is, you know, kind of a bulldog. Um, and Angela's, you know, coming into her striking a little bit in her last fight. I think, uh, I think it'll be a, a good, fun, fun fight, a good test for Angela. Uh, but I see her ending up pulling off the the win. She's a favorite in this fight, I believe. Um, check it real quick. Uh, she is minus one seventy, yeah. so she's a moderate. Favorite. Yeah. So I, there's not many times that Angela Hill is the favorite that I would bet on her. Probably, <laughs> you know, I might take her as a dog on on some fights, but. Uh, this is one I would probably take take the uh, take the favorite on. Um, Alex Perez and Jordan Espinosa is going to be good. Alex Perez has been on a tear. Uh, Jordan Espinosa, you know, is real grindy. He's going to mm-hmm. try to put the pressure on him. Um, so we'll see we'll see what Alex Perez you know has to answer for that. He's a you know, two and a half to one favorite in that fight. Um, Nick Lentz is probably a great fight for Arnold Allen at this point. Arnold Allen's a stud. Um, you know, the last fight I think was with Gilbert Melendez, and you know, Gilbert Melendez is, is not an easy out right, for anybody. Right. And Alan's well, he's a prodigy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, coming out of TriStar, um, so I look for him to get a good win. But Lentz is, is no punk either. I mean, he's going right. to be in there to fight, you know. Um, so it'll be a good test for Arnold Allen. I think with the Kiesa and Dos fight, this is the kind of you know we've seen Dos Anjos kind of go on a you know, not the greatest streak here lately. He's lost some fights, but he's he loses to the best of the best. Right. You know, he doesn't lose to anybody else. And uh, Kiesa's not in that best of the best category, I don't think. You know, he's coming off of wins over some legends, um, you know, an, an undersized Diego Sanchez and um, 
who was it before that? Uh, Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. It was a good win against Carlos Condit, but there's just a guy that's you know way out of his prime. Right. Know, it's not the Carlos Condit of 2013, 2012. These are guys that RDA would be expected to beat as well. Mm-hmm. Or RDA already has beaten. Right, well. right. Um, so it'll be uh, interesting to see what you know. These are also this is also two lightweight lightweights that have moved up to welterweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, just to see this fight. Kies has come a long ways, you know, from being on the Ultimate Fighter, winning that, uh, to now fighting Junior Dos Santos, you know, former world champion. Um, so Dos Santos is a is a pretty heavy favorite in that fight. I think that's probably pretty reasonable. Uh, but Kiesa can can always end the fight, you know, with a jiu-jitsu. Um, the next one I think is kind of kind of strange to me. I don't. Know, I guess it's because of the wrestling of blades. I think he's like a 85% takedown rate. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think he's I don't think he's ever been taken down. Um, but Junior Dos Santos has some of the best takedown defense in the division. Uh, you know, he's you know he's beaten the the best wrestlers that the division has. Um, <clears throat> but Curtis Blades is kind of a level above them, I guess. Uh, the only exception, maybe Kane, you know, is the only one that's, you know, has the wrestling chops of, of Curtis Blades. But um, Curtis is a big favorite in this fight. I think that uh, this this will will probably be one that I take the dog on. Um, look to see Junior knock him out. You know, the only person that's defeating Blades is Francis Ngannou. That's a big, heavy, good boxer. Yeah. That's what you have in DeSantis. Um, so I think that you know DeSantis is is longer in the tooth, but that experience might pay dividends as well. Um, so that's one I'll be taking. Hey, I like a few underdogs on this card. I love me some JDS at plus two ten. You know, I, I the the guys that worry me about beating DeSantis are guys that are going to go there and knocking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't see that happening here from Blades. I I feel like Santos can get the DeSantis can get the knockout. Plus 210, sign me up all day long. Tell you the truth, I like Kiesa plus 232. I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see how much Dos, An- Dos Anjos still wants this. I, you, we know Kies is hungry for it. You know, you, you can tell. That's a big factor as well. I didn't think about that. Um, I, so I like both of those underdogs. Um, I, I like uh, uh, another, I like the biggest underdog on the card, to tell you the truth. I Not not so much that I like him, but I think the odds are skewed on Montel Jackson, Felipe Calaris. Minus 650 for Jackson, Calaris plus 475. Uh, I just think that, that those are long odds for a guy that's still kind of unproven in Montel Jackson. But overall, man, I just, I'm just i tuning in for Nate the Train and Herbert Burns. That fight pretty much a pick em. Uh Nate the Train very uh, slightly favored at minus 130. That line is flip-flopped. Um, because I want to say at one point Burns was minus 120. So I think that the the betting public uh, this far are behind, uh, they're behind Nate the Train Landwehr, man. Um, and that's going to do it, I guess. I guess that covers all of it. Uh, which card for you this week? I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to c- catch all of it, but like, uh, if you, you know, gun to your head and you're like, you can only watch one of these cards, which, uh, which one are you watching? Um, I think. It's always going to be UFC for me. I think UFC is like the SEC of football. You know, it's, it's the best of the best. Um, but I think it's a huge offering for Bellator that puts them right up there with the UFC. Uh, I think it's probably a, a better card. Um, but it, like you said, it's kind of like the NBA and, and college basketball at, at some to some extent, you know. Um, but I think it's a huge, great offering for Bellator. 
Right on, right on. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Uh, this episode of the Valor Hour. I've uh, enjoyed it thoroughly, Justin. As we've uh, gotten to uh, get caught up on everything UFC, Bellator. We will recap the Bellator and UFC cards uh, next week as well as get our coverage for Valor sixty nine underway. We're going to talk to both sides of the main event next week. We'll have Demir Fratbegovic and the reigning and defending champion. Ruth was David Robbins on the on the line with us next week, um, and uh, best of luck to uh, the King family. Thank them. Thank you to them for joining us uh, as our interview uh, guest this week. Both Jason and Emily fighting on Bellator two thirty eight this weekend on the Zone. They'll be kicking off the main card at ten o'clock. So make sure you tune in uh, and root them on. For Justin Watson, I am Tim Loy. We are signing off for the Valor Hour. Till next week. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. UFC 246 last weekend. Uh, I went out and watched the pay per view at a bar, and it's you know it's always interesting to go out to an event to to watch a UFC event, especially when it, it's a Conor McGregor fight because we both know Conor McGregor is the biggest star in the sport in the history of the sport, and there's no one even close. And you know one of my takeaways from you know just you know kind of you know watching how everyone was interacting with the fight was you saw what I would almost say like the three step three stages of MMA fans. There's that hardcore fan that they're watching every fight. There's that casual MMA fan that, you know, watches a good amount of fights that they want to see the big fights. And then there's just those sports fans that know it's a big fight. So they're sitting there. I remember uh, the place that I went to is a place that uh, me and my buddy usually go on Friday nights to throw darts. And, uh, you know, so we reserved a table. And, and so we got, I was like, oh, we'll get here about eight, eight thirty. So we get there by eight and, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a sparse crowd by about nine fifteen, Daniel. There's not an empty seat in the building. There had to be 40, 50 people on the patio watching on one TV. And you just kind of walk away with it. Yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor is still king. Yeah, uh, he is absolutely king, and I was totally wrong in thinking that he wasn't going to be the king upon his return. Um, man, I feel like an idiot having watched that 40-second fight, ha- having picked Donald Cerrone to beat Conor McGregor. Uh, it, it's absolutely stunning to me what took place in the main event for the UFC. I mean, you could have asked for a better start to the year, and it looks as though 2020 is going to be a big year for UFC. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.